Oh, no, I would love that. I would love to be an actual god um, controlling, controlling the lives of just a couple of people. And welcome back to another episode of Exposing Ourselves. I'm Travis Ritchie, and this is episode 45. This is the show where we expose each other to new things. Matt, a big music fan, will assign me one of his favorite music artists to listen to each week. And I, a movie buff, will give him one of my favorite films. And we come together on this podcast to discuss it all. And with me, as always, is my very good friend... Matt Runquist. Hey, Travis. This week, I watched the movie Dread, and you traveled to Phoenix, Air- No, that's not right. You listened to the band Phoenix. Oh, or, or, I, uh, or I befriended Fox the Phoenix from, you know, Dumbledore's pet. Right? Mm, Wasn't his uh, name Fox? I don't know. Phoenix? You don't know? I Wait, don't know. have you not seen Harry Potter? I've read the books, but I don't remember the Phoenix having a name. Wait, you've only read the books? I saw some of the movies for sure. I'm not sure which ones. Oh my goodness. Uh, We might have a project in store for us. Nah, I have Um, no idea which ones. Oh, okay. Well, we'll just have to watch all of them, I guess. (laughs) Uh, So how was your... (laughs) That face. How was your week, my friend? Well, not great, Travis. Uh-oh. Not great at all. Yeah, my two male greyhounds got into a bit of a tiff in the <gasps> backyard a couple of days ago. And uh, ordinarily, when they're getting rowdy, we will muzzle them, but we hadn't. And uh, Pierre got a hold of Bonehead's ear and uh, and... <gasps> Long story short, Bonehead is adorable now, but his ears no longer match. So, Oh, no. Yeah, but you know what? He's doing really, really well. He's only about 48 hours after surgery right now, and uh, he's already eating normally. He's uh, he's obviously got an Elizabethan collar on, which is hilarious, because yeah. greyhounds have to wear comically large <laughs> Elizabethan collars because their noses are so long. Um, oh, yeah. So it goes like two feet out from their, <laughs> from their face, uh, from their neck. It's it's really ridiculous, but uh, yeah. So it's been a c- tough couple of days here. Uh, not awesome. And then, uh, boy, I I hate to bring this up on the podcast, but a sense of death and foreboding pervades my like uh, group. Uh, I have a friend uh, here in Milwaukee who was recently diagnosed with pretty significant cancer like metastatic cancer i have a friend acquaintance which is to say somebody i used to know but not haven't talked to in like a decade who uh whose wife died age 40 um and then i have a a family member who has a bit of a cancer scare as well so not a not a big upbeat. Uh, not a. I really hope like awesome things oh, happen. I hope you knock started, it off, death. Yeah, get out of here. I hope you were like juggling water balloons and somebody discovered your talent. And now you're going to be in Cirque du Soleil or something. Oh, I wish I had any skill with water balloons whatsoever. But I uh, I have some skill with water. There's balloons. There's just the one, really. But yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, how did you know about that? <laughs> The internet is a is a wild place, man. Uh, I didn't think I told anybody about that, but uh, I uh, that's I'm sorry to hear that, my friend. That's uh, that it, it's it's rough, and that's 
sometimes being a being a human just sucks and yeah uh, it really does it's it's tough um but uh we do our best to uh deal with it and mitigate it and uh this you know i've always said uh that life is all about uh it's not about the things that happen to us it's about how we react to them Mm -hmm. and hopefully um uh, i i don't you know how do you i mean how do you react to losing someone close to you or 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 being diagnosed with cancer but yeah um it was it was all a lot. Oh it was a lot this week. Yeah. So uh, so we, at least we've got a nice upbeat movie in Judge Dredd. <laughs> yes. Well, that's something I was going to talk about. Uh, but uh, uh, before that, I mean, my, my news is not. Uh, I haven't done a whole lot this week outside the norm. I worked and I worked a lot. Uh, I did another week of training at the new job over the weekend, so it was just long days and long days. Mm-hmm. But the big news is that my book. Is coming out tomorrow. Oh my gosh! Which means if you're listening to this, it is available now for it's you available to now. get and read if you would like it uh, in it lots of different formats. Absolutely, uh, I, I took pictures with the hardcover, softcover, and Kindle format, uh, and um, it's available in several different ebook stores. So if you don't like Amazon, you can get it from uh, uh, Goodreads or uh, iBooks or. Um, even uh, Barnes and Noble, I think. Nice. And, uh, yeah, and then it is available in hardcover and softcover from Amazon, at least. I don't know where else. But uh, and the audiobook is uh, going to be available soon once I get off my uh, lazy butt and <laughs> record the damn thing. <laughs> so uh, yeah, but that's that's the most exciting news here. I have no idea what's going to happen with this book. Um, I'm going to keep writing. I have another book coming out probably in the spring uh, that is the first book in a different series and weirdly enough writing the sequel to this series mm-hmm. is daunting yeah i mean even though sure. i i know i've already done it mm-hmm. like i've already written a book yeah but like writing another one seems well are you are you one of those people who that first book percolated for a really long time really long time yeah a really long time uh, I, I, it was in my mind for, so I started, I started the story in 2009 mm-hmm. and I basically knew what the story was. But then in 2014, I went and I broke the plot. I, I outlined it. Mm-hmm. And so, and I, then I didn't actually write it until 2020. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so long, that was a long, long time for it yeah. to percolate. Um, now I have, I do have an idea of what's going to happen with the sequel and, mm-hmm. and the next like three sequels actually. So, um, so they're in there. Mm-hmm. I just need the detail and the flesh it out. And the, the, the process for me was really cool. This is getting off topic, but just briefly, the process of writing it was very cool because I didn't have like a detailed outline. Mm-hmm. I just sat down and I knew what was going to happen in this beat. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of amazed at how easily the characters talked and mm-hmm. said things that maybe I didn't expect and did things that I didn't know they were going to do and stuff like that. So uh, I'm hoping that, that that grabs me again, that, that process, that mindset that, um, yeah, I don't know how to, how to describe it. So what you're saying is, is you're hoping that you're not accessing an alternate universe where these people are real and you're controlling them because that would be morally suspect. Oh, no, I would love that. I would love to be an actual god um, controlling controlling the lives of just a couple of people. <laughs> right? 
<laughs> well, I think the good thing is, is we found our pull quote for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. So why don't we go ahead and get into the meat? Uh, don't think I didn't re- uh, recognize that you shook it up for me last week. I didn't call it out, but I do appreciate it. And, um, and we can shake it up again this week and do the, um, let's do the music first. Yeah, I think yeah? we could switch. Yeah, we can switch things up and do the music first, uh, for sure. <laughs> okay, well, tell me about Phoenix. I don't know anything about them. They seem fine. Um, no. <laughs> no. Well, uh, you know, my, at work, oh. my uh, my I told my coworker, uh, she was like, what are you listening to this week? And I was like, have you heard of the band Phoenix? And she goes, are you joking? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was not kidding that Phoenix is the biggest band in France, but they're also really big in the United States. Uh, they're, uh, I would say, indie pop or electro pop. Uh, very intricately crafted songs, a lot of like neat sounds used in there. Uh, the the main members, there's four of them, a vocalist, a couple of guitarists, and a bassist. And then they have used the same drummer since a long time ago, but for some reason he's not like an official member of the band. I don't know how these things work, but uh, what I do know is that this is uh, really fun, upbeat music, and I really like it. Uh, this album that I gave you, uh, and I said last week uh, it was their big breakthrough, but I wasn't sure if it was their debut. It is actually not their debut. It's their fourth album, but I gave wow. you the I gave you the album Wolfgang Amadeus Phoenix with one notable subtraction you might have noticed there's a song on there called love like a sunset part two there was originally a love like a sunset part one but you didn't have to listen to it because it was boring i actually quite like it but you wouldn't have and so i i removed it this is a really short album however it's only 29 ish minutes i think for the playlist uh so i would imagine you probably listened to it four times this week hmm yeah, would you? Uh, you know, so I did actually take that challenge on and uh, and listened to it. Uh, I think about four times through, and just kind of let it let it repeat. Yeah, uh, and I'll tell you. So first of all, the same uh, girl from work who uh, accused me of making up that I didn't ever I had didn't know this band uh, actually had one of their songs in her wedding like playlist nice um yeah so that was neat and then uh so yeah i i and i had uh you smartly cut out a whole bit that i had last week about uh listomania being familiar to me and i thought it was something we'd already listened to Mm -hmm. um or somehow and we searched for it and couldn't find it because what i was familiar with was this song from this (laughs) album I just uh, I, I didn't remember being familiar with it, and I don't know what it was uh, what it was in. Um, I'm mm-hmm. sure it was in something that in some movie, and this like this music is uh, about what 15 years old, 14 years old, something like yeah, that. Yeah, this yeah I think this album came out in 2009. Yeah, that's about right. It feels very 2000s, right? This mm-hmm. uh, this age where we're getting away from the uh uh the the angst. what is the angsty what is the word you use uh, when something needs to be um authentic Authenticity? authentic yes oh god I, ugh, I hate it uh so but we're getting away from that authentic 
you know, angsty, dour music into something cheerful and fun. And this was cheerful and fun. And in fact, uh, I went I went to Costco and I had it on and couldn't help, but I found myself kind of bopping in step as I uh, wheeled my cart down the uh, down the aisle. And so I'll uh, I'll give them I'll give them that uh, very much. You know, so um, fun to listen to, right? Mm-hmm. Funner than fun. Probably fun, more fun than fun, yeah. More fun than fun. Um, it reminded me of uh, uh, a bit of the Strokes, kind of. Sure, um, yeah, like a cleaner, you know, that... like not so garagey Strokes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I uh, I did like the cleanness of the music, right? The the music was um, very like specific and uh, and interesting, and lots of lots of uh, synthetic. Um, mm-hmm. uh, what's the, what's the word? Not synthesizers. Synthetic synthesizers and uh, electronic music mm-hmm. stuff like that uh and uh, and i enjoyed that because it was sounds that were that were cool and fun and interesting and not unpleasant but new right mm-hmm. so that was that was interesting to uh, to experience um what else did i really like there's some variety so mm-hmm. uh there there it's not like every song sounded sounded the same mm-hmm. which was really nice for a album to have uh, that kind of variety in it. It wasn't quite the same variety that I'm really liking from my favorites. Like if you listen to um, River of Dreams mm-hmm. or, uh, or um, you know, uh, I don't know, Made in England or something like that. That's a, there's a little more variety on those mm-hmm. than you get here. But it's certainly not the same sound for every song. Yeah. Which I really liked. Uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to say as many good things as I can before I before I read them a little bit, um, and because and and the reads that I'm gonna that I have are not horrible, right? Mm-hmm. I just want to make sure that you know that I like <laughs> the song. This is one of my favorite, probably uh, albums that or playlists that you've given me so far. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'd say top five. I maybe? honestly I remember when we did Florence and the Machine when we started to do the review, you were like, why didn't you give me this earlier? And I was a little, I was like, oh gosh, I haven't given him Phoenix yet. I, the reason I took me so long to give this to you is because I thought I had already done it. I, oh. I, yeah, I thought I had already given it to you because I've intended to give it to you like three times and I never had, but really? uh, I was, I was half expecting that comment this week. I was pretty sure that you were going to like that. And I was half expecting that. Why haven't you given this to me yet? Yeah, well, I, I I would have, except I don't like to repeat myself too much. Uh, but yes, that's uh, it is a thought that that percolated through my mind, uh, and I I trust you. I figured there was a reason, right? Uh, you, I implicitly uh, trust my uh, musical experiences to your uh, judgment. Oh, to your wow, judgment. that's that's amazing. It's a bad idea, yeah. but it's amazing. Yeah, well, you you are you are like a god in that respect of my mm. uh, of my ears. No, the, yeah, um, the god of years. That, that the works. god of years. I like that. Yeah, the uh, so uh, so that is time then to bring up the uh, the 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 things that I didn't love, and uh, I think the two main things have to do with the the singing, uh, and it's and mm. it's the singing was good, is fine, not great, but. It was the singing is not something I had a problem with. It's the the vocal mix, which, as you know, I I have harped on for uh, you know a little while, especially the first few songs. Uh, I couldn't understand 
words, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you can't understand us, uh, you get you get you get the vibe that they're singing. You can hear that they're singing and they're saying something. But if I was to like sing along, I'd be like Listomania, something such as but about to you know because I, yeah. I you know yeah. you just don't know and uh so i i wish they... weirdly travis those were the actual words so oh, congratulations great. spot on great yeah. well i did look at the lyrics uh the no but it i i i do like to hear what the words are although i will say in this case it probably doesn't matter all that much mm-hmm. because I did go look at the lyrics mm-hmm. and the lyrics are kind of nonsensical all the way through. Yeah, um, they're more of a vibe, I would say. <laughs> yeah, very vibey lyrics. Yes, that's a great way because it's not, I wouldn't say poetry necessarily, <laughs> but uh, vibey is a great way to describe it. And um, so... I, I I would probably fault it a bit for not being something I can sing along to, right? Mm-hmm. I do like to sing along to a song, and this these these are not those kind of songs. Um, but that's it. That's pretty much it. I I, mm-hmm. I I really enjoyed listening to it. This is something that would a hundred percent go on my uh, on my boyfriend playlist at some point. You know, uh, to be fair, every song I've ever written in French has sucked. So. Mm. You, are the do you think that they're written in French and then translated and that's why they don't make sense? <laughs> no, I think I mean I think this is pretty common for this style of music. Like some of these type of groups have very on the nose lyrics, but a lot of them are much <gasps> more in this vibe where they're you know you think of Neutral Milk Hotel or New Pornographers or a couple other bands that we have you know talked about. They they do sort of operate more in the realm of like metaphor or uh, just even deliberately obscure uh you know lyrics so i think that that this was not translated from the french by and large do do you well then that that brings to mind the uh that italian song have you heard or heard that oh uh, god yes i have prince uh prince uh, colon yeah 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 it's that so good. Song, I love. I that love song it so much. I, I do too. To it regularly, yeah. And it's completely nonsensical. There's no lyrics to it. Um, I mean, there are lyrics to it, but they they mean nothing. And yeah. so, um, uh, uh, p- yeah. Do you have it in front of you? Can you please tell people who did it so that? Oh, uh, Adriano, Adriano Celentano. Yeah, Celentano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, so it's all over. I mean, I literally looked up nonsense Italian song. Yeah. And for those of you who have never heard this story, uh, there was a popular singer in Italy in the 1960s who was maybe a bit upset by the popularity of English language songs amongst the Italian public. And uh, he was you know, upset that they didn't even know what the words meant. And so he wrote a song that is meant to sound as if it is in English. And it does sound like it's in English, but it's everything is nonsense words. And it's fantastic. There's a couple of appearances on TV shows that have fantastic choreography. They really went all out for this song. And it is wild, man. But I'm not going to highly recommend. It's It's a a joy to experience. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, but that is very similar to the experience I had with listening to uh, Phoenix, and that the I couldn't the the lyrics didn't make sense. It was a vibe. It was mm-hmm. a feeling, and uh, and I enjoyed that feeling quite a bit. Um, 
but I do prefer a song that I can sing along to. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, in fact, what's funny is uh, at karaoke not too long ago, I sang Dog Days for the first time. Oh, fun. Uh, speaking of, yeah, Florence and the Machine. So mm-hmm. uh, that was very interesting for me. And I did a pretty good job. The nice. audience loved it. Yeah. yeah. It's a good song. It's a good anything song. Else, uh, anything else you want to add about uh, Phoenix? Uh, yeah. Me well, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I don't know much of the nitty gritty, but I can just talk about my enjoyment of this. It was introduced to me by an old friend uh, right around the time of Wolfgang Amadeus Phoenix. I think uh, 1901 was actually the song that I listened to the most or that was introduced to me. And I just absolutely loved it. Like the whole album is really, really good and really, really catchy. I've listened to a a couple of their other albums and they are also very good. As you said, it's really well constructed and there's lots of like sonic variety. I would say that the rest of their stuff is not quite as hooky as this album and suffers a little bit from, you know, background disease. But... Hmm. What do you mean by that? Well, I mean, like, it's very easy for it to just fade into the background. And I mean, I suppose oh. it's great for parties because you can have a nice conversation with somebody and not get distracted and start dancing or something like that. But I listened, I actually, so they had an album come out in 2022. And in preparation for this week, because I've listened to Wolfgang Amadeus Phoenix hundreds of times, like, this is a very, this is a very popular album for me. Uh, because I have listened to it so much, I actually listened to their 2022 album to be like, hey, what's, you know, I know Phoenix is still a going concern. What are they up to these days? And I liked it quite a bot, uh, quite, quite a bot, quite a bit, but I only listened to it once. I was like, yeah, that's good. It's, oh, it's good. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't, it didn't catch you. It didn't hook you. It didn't, it didn't hook me. Um, I will probably try to give it another listen here in the next, uh, month or two and, and see if having heard it once, the songs start to resonate a little more for me, but uh, yeah, they're they're doing their thing. But it's I think this is clearly their best work. Oh, that's cool. So I did. Uh, I looked up Listomania and what. Uh, and by the way, I do like that it's a list as in uh, Franz Hans Franz, Franz. list. Franz. Franz List, um, the the classical composer. Uh, and I looked it up and what piano shows... player and piano player. Yeah, yeah, great. He was a famously Aren't good most... piano player. Aren't most composers also piano players? Yeah, like but they're mostly... Bach, Beethoven, Mozart. But they're not necessarily uh, known as performers. Like, Liszt was a famously good... He used to write oh. things that only he could play. Like oh, he was, interesting. He was a very, very good pianist. Oh, well, I did not know that. Um, so, the, but the, the thing that I think I heard this in recently was an episode of What If, uh, which was a Marvel animated series uh, back in 2019. Ah, so, okay. just to... So, so for my edification and perhaps our listeners, uh, yeah. should they care? But uh, yeah, man, uh, I'm I'm gonna give this. Uh, or do you want to ask me what I'm gonna give it first? Because I, I, I jumped uh, on your. Yeah, you, know you did you jump asking. on it a little bit. I do enjoy asking. I'm a big one for consent. <laughs> Travis, uh, what do you what do you give this album? What do you rate it? You know, I went back and forth because I think I started with the potential for this to be a ten. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that instant dopamine hit you get from something that just sparks joy in your mm-hmm. in your head in your ears uh, was there. But on my subsequent and subsequent subsequent listenings, uh, I think I got a little frustrated about the uh, the issues that I've raised, and I think it's going to be an eight for me. Mm. So very good, 
Mm-hmm. Very good. Probably yeah. one of my best ratings for yeah. music, but um, but not the best. Yeah, it really breaks through that seven barrier for you. I've I've compiled all of our ratings, and you're like when you like something in the musical world, you typically give it a seven. So for this oh. to be above a seven. It really says something. I like that it breaks through the seven barrier. That's, yeah, it breaks uh, that's, the seven that's, barrier. That you should have. You should write a song about that. You write a song. I'll sing it. Uh, breaks through the seven barrier. I've have been in. Fa- okay, breaks, let me give my rating first. I get. Okay. Let me give my rating first. How about you? The, I give this a nine. I love it. I've listened to it over and over and over again, uh, but it's not quite a ten for me. Um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that. What I was going to say is, is I have been working on a song for you. But it's not about uh, the seven barrier. Well, uh, not yet. I mean, that's a different. We'll, we can have more than one song. Uh, well, uh, yeah, we'll talk about it offline. But uh, it's it's coming. I think I actually might like you to take a stab at the lyrics. Uh, but we'll see. We'll see. Okay. So hopefully, in a month or two, y'all, we can debut Travis's new song or Panko Stanko featuring <sighs> Travis Ritchie or whatever. Maybe, uh, maybe I, I'll, I might have some time over the uh, Christmas season. So yeah. Um, but before we move on, I do want to ask a question: Is there a is there a band or song that you think is very very close to this? Because uh, I, I I struggled thinking of like I I had several in my head that were like I feel like I know this vibe hmm. really well from Gosh. from the 2000s. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of in that, you know, in that same vein of, like, dance indie, right? Right, I felt like I, felt like I would have heard it in 500 Days of Summer or, mm-hmm. or something like that, you know? Yeah, but I don't, I don't know exactly who I would point out as, like, this is the one that, mm. that I would compare it to. Well, perhaps you know? our listeners can uh, chime in and, and let me know yeah. uh, by writing into uh, uh, exposingourselvespodcast at gmail.com or finding us on our Facebook page, which is just Exposing Ourselves, and uh, let me know... What songs you think closely compare to, uh, uh, especially this album from Phoenix? Because I'm very curious. You know what's funny, Travis, is the thing that immediately pops into my head is like dance indie. Is the the one album that you, or the one band of ours that you have truly despised, which is LCD Sound System. Uh, but they're they're very much in that dance indie oh. uh, thing. But I think they're much too repetitive for you. Like that's one thing that, phoenix does really well is it's all very dancing and upbeat but they don't they don't just sit and groove on a single thing for a really long mm-hmm, time mm-hmm. So. yeah 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 all right well i'm looking forward to uh knowing more about uh related bands and um and and and, and you know kind of what i like i suppose mm-hmm. yeah so great moving on yeah let's move on travis Tell me about <laughs> Dread. Don't tell me about Judge Dread. Just tell me about Dread. Oh, uh, I won't because I feel like I'm going to save Judge Dread for another time. Uh, but uh, uh, but Judge Dread for your uh, history is a comic book series that was uh, oh from the I want to say the 90s uh, or even late 80s. Um, the, there was a 1995 film called Judge Dread that was uh, that starred Arnold. No, not Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, uh, Sylvester Stallone and uh, as his sidekick uh, Rob Schneider which was <laughs> anyway so it took a long time for for any studio to be like well let's try again on this yeah yeah sidebar I was trying to explain Judge Dredd to my wife who had never 
who had never seen it before. And I explained to her the plot of Demolition Man because I got them confused. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. Very, I mean, Sylvester Stallone had a had a 90s type of movie for sure. Uh, but this movie is... So Judge Dredd, the story is loosely that in the uh, late uh, part of this century, mostly the United States is a dystopic post-nuclear war wasteland known as the Cursed Earth. And uh, the East Coast is uh, populated by Megacity One, which is a, a, a huge metropolis of like 800 million residents. And uh, they have something like 17,000 serious crimes daily. And the only force for order are the judges, who act as judge, jury, and executioner. And Judge Dredd is like one of the, uh, one of the best judges. He's very effective at his job, and he's just like the best, the best one. Uh, it is a very violent movie. There's tons of killing and shooting and uh, and that kind of thing. Uh, but the, it's, I don't know. It, it's it's a little silly, almost in a way. Not 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 wacky or anything like that. But it it's far enough from reality that you don't. I don't know. I didn't really take it seriously. Um, but it stars Carl Urban as Dread, and what was interesting is he only took the job when he, uh, if if they allowed him to never take off his helmet, because mm-hmm. in the comic, Dread never takes off his helmet, and mm-hmm. so Carl Urban was like, "No, nah, I'm not going to do it." Um, he has a an assistant judge that is like a judge in training who's with him, uh, and that's played by Olivia Thurlby. And she's really good. And as I mentioned last week, Lena Headey, or Heady, plays the villain uh, who is a uh, drug kingpin, basically, that lives at the top of this tower building that uh, houses, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people. And uh, so Dredd and his assistant get caught in the building investigating something. (laughs) I don't even remember what. But um, they have to make their way to the top where this bad guy lives and it's it's very much like a tower heist or you know or it's it's a video game essentially where you have to go up the levels and it gets harder and harder uh but i really enjoyed it man i i thought it as an action movie it was really well done i think everybody took it very seriously which i really appreciate in action movies and um i'm interested to hear your thoughts yeah, so first of all, I actually remembered something that you didn't, which is that the crime that they are investigating is the uh, Mama Gang kills three people at the beginning who are trying to like uh, steal from the gang or take over some of their turf or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this was interesting. It was really well done. I, I agree with almost everything you've said in about the movie and about the approach to this movie. I think it's a, it is, especially with the failure of the nineties judge dread, which was much campier. Hi, Roy Schneider. Um, Rob Schneider, whatever. Oh, Roy Schneider, Rob Schneider. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) Um, that has always confused me anyways. Um, but yeah, they, they take it seriously. And I think that was the right approach. I do love Lena Headey. I really like Carl Urban, although I wouldn't have known it at the time of this movie, but I really enjoy him in The Boys. Uh, he's a lot yeah. of fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, very, oh, very... also, 
a, a young Donald Gleason, uh, who we've come across a couple times. He was in Ex Machina, and uh, he he plays like uh, Mama's cybersecurity guy. Oh yeah, that's where I knew that guy from. Yeah, yeah. so uh, that was a very interesting thing to see him kind of do this as an early, really like meaty role. Yeah, I I liked this. Um, there there is a lot to enjoy. The action I think is really well done. There's very little of the action that's confusing, and more importantly for me, there's very little of the action that makes me go, ah, oh, come on, really. There was one sequence where I did that, but I'm not gonna harp on it. I'm just gonna say the sequence where they shoot out an entire floor, floor. of the building. And Judge Dredd outruns a chain gun for a minute. You know, that stretches credulity. Um, a little qu- bit, yeah. Quite quite a bit. But, but I'm going to give him that one because most of the rest of it is relatively grounded in, yeah, I mean, you know, you talk to your gun and it changes uh, ammo instantly. Sure. Right, it's a, yeah. it's a and super. Yeah, and your gun, your gun in uh, fifty years from now is locked to your uh, yeah. ID, so that yeah. someone else can't fire it. At yeah, you. it's a super good gun. I, I spotted that ahead of time. By the way, I, I yeah. when uh, when that happened, I was like, yeah, they're not going to be able to steal his gun. That's that's ridiculous. But he can steal other pe- he can steal other judges' ammo. Though. That's true. That's true. He can steal their ammo, which is good. I did like that he wasn't invulnerable. Um, like he he does mm-hmm. get injured during the course of the movie, in a, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, and has to kind of like keep going. I also like the uh, you know when you watch movies where there's some new designer drug. I'm thinking like RoboCop two, which you haven't seen, and uh, or something else. Um, it's how you, what the drug does and what it is and how it's portrayed is done in a number of different ways. In this movie, the drug is called slow-mo, and they actually do a really good job of showing you how it affects a person. So basically, when they take it, the world seems to slow down for them, and it gets mm-hmm. all, like, glittery and, uh, and mm-hmm. like, you know, uh, sparkly. And one of the ways it's used as a as kind of a torture device is by giving those guys you mentioned at the beginning who uh, Mama killed by dropping them off of the top of the tower uh, a lot you know into the inside of the tower like it's a courtyard uh, but giving them slow-mo first so to them it seemed like they were falling for ever you know Mm -hmm. until they actually died yeah no I thought that was really well done the way that you learn about that is sort of natural through the flow of the movie and the fact that it is important that this is the way the drug works, I think, is good, right? Like, yeah. that that it's not just, like, incidental to the plot. Um, that's really good. I really liked uh, the dynamic between Dredd and his trainee. Uh, or mm-hmm. I, it's, it's not really a trainee situation. She's fully trained, and this is supposed to be a test of her field capability. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, but it is a it is a matter of where he has the ability to like fail her and mm-hmm. yeah. yeah okay yeah he's testing her right yes um, but you don't want to call her a testee right that doesn't right that doesn't right. make sense anyway yeah yeah uh, but uh, no but I, I like that she I think Olivia Thirlby was fantastic I was definitely like oh what else has she been in I'm I'm curious about her as an actress she's really good. Um, the in the so the rise of mama 
is handled very similar similarly to in Kill Bill, uh, Lucy Liu's character like takes over the Yakuza, mm-hmm. and this is a very similar story, where you know try not to think too hard about it because it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, right? The the explanation given in the movie is she was so violent, and it's like all all of these people are extremely violent. It's not it's not clear what level of violence this person would have to have in order to intimidate, you know, an entire skyscraper's worth of gangs, but it's apparently a lot of violent. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. So that that I didn't love that, you know, but but it's just kind of set up, right? It's set up for the movie and and you're right, like this does have a bit of a video game aspect about it where you're just you're you're setting up this situation where he's got to climb the tower and he climbs the tower um Mm -hmm. you know so for better for worse that's kind of what it is yeah yeah uh it was actually so written by alex garland who uh, did a lot of work with danny boyle so uh, uh did you ever see 28 days later nope Oh, wow. Okay. Well, oh, that's definitely going on our list, I think, because it's one of my favorites. Uh, and also Be a movie careful. called Sunshine. I'm not a big fan of Fast Zombies. Really? You don't like Fast Zombies? Yeah, I'm not a big fan of Fast Zombies. Why? I'm just saying. It's I, the first, it's kind of the first Fast Zombie movie. Because that's, because zombies are slow. That's why. But what if, okay. Well, but we'll, what if we'll, they were we'll fast? Talk, we'll talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> but, what if, but what if, hear me out, they were fast. Yeah, what, uh, what if vampires sparkled? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Bad Twilight. So, uh, but it was also directed by a guy uh, who uh, I have a I have an affinity for simply because his name is Pete Travis. And uh, but Pete Travis has not done a whole heck of a lot, which is kind of uh, strange to me. Like I'm looking at his uh, at his. Real, and I think he's done only three films. Yeah. He did Vantage Point, then did Dread four years after that, and then did City of Tiny Lights four years after that. So, well, not, um, to, not to spoil the ending or anything, but like I was surprised when we got to the end of this, given the, some of the movies that we have watched that have gotten sequels, I was mm-hmm. surprised that there wasn't a sequel to this movie. I realized yeah. it wasn't crazily successful or anything it wasn't a huge success uh, it, it cost about 30 to 45 million dollars and made about 41 million dollars at the box office and yeah. uh, i wonder if like i i finally saw it because of word of mouth and i and i wonder if if they'd gotten a little bit more of a push early on and had some good word of mouth if it would have been better but i i personally avoided it because the first movie was so i don't know yeah. mediocre and yeah. so I didn't care to see another dread movie. It's not mm-hmm. a it's not a super well-known, you know, yeah. IT, IP, but Well, and I I do have some issues with the world building, right? The it 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 does sort of subscribe to that like really nihilistic future is a wasteland type of thing that I'm not super duper into most of the time. I like it in Mad Max, but most of the time it feels very like Oh, we just stuff happens because we wanted it to happen that way. And I'll I'll do one specific thing. I'm not going to harp on this entirely, but like there's this city that has hundreds of millions of people on the eastern seaboard and then like nothing for 
some arbitrary i mean presumably there are other mega cities since this is called mega city one maybe there's like mega city two around chicago and mega city three about around la or something but like the point is is there's not many of these and everything else is desert and there's no there's not even a hint of like how do people eat who built mega city what happened to all the buildings that were not inside the wall of mega city how how did they afford to put giant steel shutters on every single skyscraper of which there are tens of thousands that's not a mm-hmm. that's not an insignificant technical challenge you know so right. like i'm not to harp on any particular aspect of it but just it's clear that the world building is sort of like young right like wouldn't it be cool if in the future, there were these crazy city. You know, like that's yeah. that's what it kind of felt like to me a lot. Well, of the time. and I think that in that regard, it comes from an era of uh, comic books. You know, in the mm-hmm. '80s, where uh, yeah. you were looking, if you were looking a hundred years in the future, you were you were imagining a future that was drastically different than mm-hmm. uh, than what we have. And and what we have found out is that the is that the future changes slower in some ways, and uh, in especially in in well, big and and just ways. it was. It was before the end of the Cold War. So, like, yeah. the only future that seemed to make sense at the time was, well, at some point, we're going to all kill each other and there's right. going to be a nuclear wasteland, right? Nukes, nukes, nukes. Yeah. 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 So, And I will say I agree with you uh, that I, I'm not a big fan of uh, nihilistic. Uh, I'm not the, – the fact that it's post-apocalyptic doesn't bother me quite so much. I don't like nihilistic stories. I don't think that this is one. It's essentially a superhero story. Kind of. It's a comic book movie, um, and, it, and it treats itself like that. What I do like, though, is that there is a glimmer of hope in Judge Dredd's morality, mm-hmm. right? He holds fast to the idea that the guilty should be punished and the innocent are. And unless you are proven to be guilty, then you're not going to be punished like extraordinarily you know you're not just going to be punished on presumption of guilt which which is a common thing that you would see in this type of movie Mm -hmm. say in a mad max Um, yeah you know and uh, and i do like that that element exists here yeah so for me now this is this is maybe my own personal bias coming through but this feels like a little bit of a well it's okay if someone has the power of execution as long as he's a really good dude when what is the one thing that we know about power it's that power corrupts well and we see that later in the in the in the in the movie where there are judges that are bought and paid for Right. And so I'm I'm always uncomfortable with a story that is sort of like, no, no, it's okay if this guy can kill people because he's a super good dude, right? Because mm-hmm. that if that is the only thing standing between that person and, you know, the power of life over other people, I'm not comfortable with that. No matter how much of a good dude he is because I don't I can't look into someone's soul and determine the truth of their soul. I'm not George W. Bush. I can't just look somebody in the eye and be right. like, I know, I, I could tell he was a good dude, right? Yeah. I can't yeah. do that. And well, so yeah. anytime a story seems to be justifying that particular, like, 
power invested in one person, I'm going to have a problem with it. Now, I understand that's the justification for this whole story, right? Mm -hmm. Like, if if that's not true about Judge Dredd, then the, then the whole thing falls apart. Well, I think that the, the, the key is, is that the reason we care about this judge, you know, is because he's that guy. Like, yeah. we could be following any other judge who isn't quite so uh, morally pure, and that wouldn't be as interesting of a story. It's it's the same thing with Batman. Batman does not use guns. He doesn't mm-hmm. kill. You know, it, it's essentially he's he's a form of uh, he's a type of Batman character. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. you know, in the in the future where you need to kill. Yeah, I guess because things are so bad. Um, but anyway, I did uh, I did appreciate that, and um, yeah. So um, any other thoughts before you give it a rating? Hmm. I did like kind of the the world of the tower, right? There is, you know, early like there was a lot of really good storytelling about about this skyscraper and why it is the way it is and how it is the way that it is that I thought was really well handled. Like it wasn't just all a big exposition dump, you know, you learn about the, the unemployment rate inside the tower and that Mm. people aren't, you know, the, the residents of the tower are not treated as animals, right? Which I, they're not all criminals and they're they're not not all, all, they're not all families, criminal gangs. The criminal gang operates inside the tower and yeah. basically with impunity because the judges don't visit. But the the residents of the tower are human and mm-hmm. are humanized in this movie. And I did really like that because it would have been very easy to, you know, like have the the individual residents attacking the judges or, or doing something that sort of indicated that they were unworthy of protection. And, right. uh, yes. and they, and the movie doesn't do that. It plays it straight. And I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, and that, and that goes into the idea that the, the future is bad, but there are people who are worthy of protection. That's a really good, um, that's a really good way to say that. I like that. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's, that's the other thing that I, I think, I was trying to get out. Great point. Great point. Well, go ahead and uh, what do you what do you rate it? So this is a tough one for me. Uh, it's not generally a style of movie that I like. I I thought it was really well done. There were a there were a fair number of things in here that I was like, oh, okay, I'm trying I'm trying not to be that jerk who points out the the ridiculousness of this situation, but you know, uh, so. It's definitely a positive, right? Okay. I'm just debating whether it's like, is this this is better than an average, average action movie? Is it? But is, is it good? Is it good? Right. That's that's the thing. I enjoyed the experience of watching it. I'm not going to watch it again. It was better than your average action movie, but is it enough better for a seven, or is it more of a six? Hmm. I. I think it's a six. I wanted mm. it to be a seven. I wanted to give. I wanted that for you, because mm. I know you like this movie. But I think this movie is a six for me. Yeah. No, I do like this movie. I don't love it, and that's a fair rating, uh, especially since you know your your proclivities. I understand, and you and it, I I kind of like tricked you into watching a superhero movie. Um, <laughs> but I am going to give this for myself an eight because I enjoyed it. 
more than I expected to on this uh, on this repeated viewing, and I think maybe this is number three for me, possibly in the wow. last twelve years since it came out. Possibly. I mean, if this was on, you know what? A lot of the bars here in Milwaukee, especially late at night, will play movies behind the bar rather than having mm-hmm. like live sports on or something like yeah, that that yeah. that costs them money. And if this movie was on at a bar, I would probably, you know, sit and watch the movie while chatting with my, you know, chatting with the person that I was there with. Yeah, it is. It is a movie that you can't ignore. That's one. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I like that. All right. Fantastic. Well, uh, what do you got for me for next week? Next week. Next week. Have you ever heard of the band? The Yeah, Yeah, Yeah's. I have heard you of the Yeah, Yeah, Yeah's. Yeah. I have heard of it. Them. But you don't know what it is. I could not. I could not tell you a song by the Yeah Yeah Yeahs, and I'm okay. probably not familiar with their music. Ah, uh, you oovre. might be. There, they had a couple of pretty big hits, so you might be yeah. familiar with one or two of these. So I put together a playlist of a bunch of their songs. They are kind of in the same uh, genre that we've been exploring a lot lady this sort of 2000s indie alternative they came out of that new york scene that the strokes and interpol uh came out of and they're led by their lead singer is a woman uh whose name escapes me right now and they're actually a three-piece that's just her a guitarist and a drummer and they produce some really really good stuff that I think you'll quite like. I'm hopeful. Hmm. I'm hopeful that you'll like this. I think you will. She's got a pretty great voice. The lyrics are usually pretty understandable. And um, and it's good. It's good. So, yeah, great. yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, yes. I'm excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So, uh, for you, I've got uh, a comedy because you've asked for yes. more comedy. And uh, I'm going to give you, this is kind of a dry comedy. I'm going to give you the movie Thank You for Smoking from 2005. And uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a satirical black comedy, really, is what they call it. And, but it is, I believe, the first movie from Jason Reitman, uh, the son of, uh, of Ivan Reitman, who directed my favorite film, Ghostbusters. And so there's a lot of really fun stuff. And there are things in this movie that I quote to this day. Uh, mm-hmm. and I'll, and we'll, and we'll talk about those when we talk about the movie. But, uh, as I said, directed by Jason Reitman and starring Aaron Eckhart. And, uh, it's got a slew of other famous faces in it. You'll recognize from Rob Lowe to William H. Macy, J.K. Simmons, uh, Robert Duvall, Adam Brody, Katie Holmes. It's, it's full of people. Um, and, uh, that's, I think all I want to tell you, uh, I was an extra on this movie, Oh, so wow. I don't know. Yeah, when they were filming it, so I don't know if that uh, counts for anything. But um, yeah, yeah. Well, it makes me want to see it even more. All right. Well, there we go. I'll tell you a story about uh, about filming this um, when we talk next week. Awesome. Well, Travis, I just want you to know that the God of Ears is still a god, and <laughs> I really appreciate you exposing yourself to me. Oh, thank you for exposing yourself to me. You got it, man. Thank you.